0: Welcome everyone to Dungeon Master Discussions. I'm your host, Zach. Uh, dungeon Master Discussions is a show where I interview a multitude of different Dungeon Masters, kind of get inside their brain, talk about their favorite or most knowledgeable topic. Uh, I've been DMing for quite a many years at different events and doing it professionally for a year now. And I have a wonderful guest here, uh, D&D Corso. Uh, you run okay. Lark Network, uh, correct?
1: Or you win a yes, team? Yes, yep. Uh, Yeah, so I have a team of fantastic folks who helped me. Uh, Lark Network was started uh, by me, uh, and then uh, we brought in uh, several members, some who are already in some of the shows I was doing and others who I just worked a lot with. And so uh, it's now a collective of four to five people um, helping kind of make everything work behind the scenes. That's awesome. Well,
0: uh, for those that don't know you, uh, tell our audience about yourself. What do you do?
1: Uh, Yeah, so, um, okay, quick little Corso history here. Uh, So my name is Corso, and before the pandemic, uh, what I did for a living was I was a professional, am a professional illusionist. Uh, I do magic and illusions uh, for private events, uh, Planet Comic Con, uh, you know, festivals, theaters, all that sort of stuff. But obviously, uh, gatherings of that sort are not really a thing right now. Uh, and so I turned my attention over to social media and in having some fun with a DD and d podcast I was making, I put uh, a lot of attention into TikTok and making jokes about D&D, which then turned into getting uh, a fair following there and turned into making the podcast more than just the podcast. It turned into streaming, it turned into other podcasts with other people, uh, and it turned into ultimately making a game called Melee Ball, which is um, sort of my flagship, uh, as it were, as a D&D game that I built uh, from kind of the ground up.
0: Oh, I, I actually really enjoy Melee Ball, and I would suggest anyone that hasn't checked it out to go and check it out on the Lark Network. Very fun. And uh, you also have a Kickstarter uh, coming out in. Uh, is it this
1: Friday? I believe I seen it's coming uh, out. N- so uh, today, the pre launch went live so people yes. can click. It's uh, Monday, Monday. that we go live. Yep. So y'all Ooh. got three more days until we go live. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah, this whole week has been nothing but frantically making sure that I have, like, everything ready. And it's like, ooh, I want that art piece right there, actually. Like, <laughs> ooh, hang on, let's fix that. Uh, are those tiers exactly where I want them? So, a lot of that. No, I don't
0: doubt. I bet that's a workload, and we wish you the best of luck with that. Now, <laughs> we wanted to talk tonight about anime and cinematics. Now... Yes. I've definitely, especially recently, I found in the last maybe eight months, anime has become a big inspiration for me in D&D. How how
1: much would you say you're inspired by anime? And if so, which ones? Uh, So first off, always. I I think I'm inspired by anime to do literally anything. Uh, (laughs) From the food that I decide to eat sometimes. I'm like, oh, I saw this in a show once. Mm -hmm. I bet I know how to make that. Uh, To tropes and things that you see in uh i've been watching anime you know for ever and uh you know as far back as um basics like cowboy bebop Trigun, uh the original like dragon ball and then moved up through z and all of that but then you know we're in we're in the next realm where you've got the big three that came after that with you know naruto bleach one piece things like that following uh quickly after uh, and then now we're in our new era and so I have been in anime for a while yeah um, and I take so much inspiration from anime uh, for things that we do uh, such as some of my um, uh, some of my plot lines I think of like oh I've seen something like this, not the same of course but like yeah something like Oh, you know what? I should have done something here to make it easier on you. I'm gonna slide <laughs> over to your, of my camera. And I'm just going to connect one little wire
0: to my Ooh. computer.
1: And by connecting <laughs> that one wire, I am now hardlined to the internet, so there should not be any delay.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Oh. I
0: enemies are so cool, they they, they explore a lot of things that like regular stories can't like that impossible level. Like I'm sure you can have somebody in like live action, jump up 500 feet and then break through the ground, uh, like pile driving somebody (laughs) down, but it's a lot (laughs) less cool. It looks a lot cooler when it's like animated, like real close up shot. It's like,
1: there's so much more that you can do. That's like, Anime, I love, especially if we're talking action anime here. Yeah. Um, but also, anime in general gets to do something. Cartoons, uh, animation gets to do this a lot, but anime really, it's it's a commonality in it, is they get to do the things that you wish it really looked like. Like when a when a soccer star kicks a ball into a goal, if you understand soccer and they kick it and it clears the field and it misses a guy. That's really amazing. And you're like, wow, he got it past three people trying to block that. But in the moment, it just happens. And you go, oh, and you freak out. But anime, or just in general animation, allows that to slow down. You're hearing the monologue in their mind. You're hearing those, like, (laughs) like if they were to interview afterwards in real life and tell you what they were thinking, anime gets to put that in the moment. So you get, I feel like, more involved in the, like, heart pounding, like, do it you know like you're cheering for shit that's just like it's a cartoon you know <laughs> yeah and, and those
0: cinematic moments like holding out that moment <clears throat> uh kind of goes back to our cinematics and i actually seen you do a really cool cinematic episode um uh, thing in your um your uh stream number eight of uh calderine chronicles where um I believe it was uh, all, all tier was giving or receiving a tattoo from a large uh, like needle. And like you built up that moment almost like as a cinematic where you just like he grabs this giant needle out of the case and he brings over the skin. And it's just like, oh, fuck, what's going to and then it globs <laughs> out and a tattoo forms and you're like broke expectations. But you, you like you hold that moment and you really create that like, kind of cool cinematic.
1: Well, yeah, I really think that when it comes to doing, you know, uh, D&D is storytelling. Uh, it can be storytelling and combat. It can be, uh, ooh, I noted something on the screen there. I see D&D Corso, but it's spelled with a K. Um, but don't Corso? worry, we'll have that. Oh, yeah, yes. Spelled with a K. Uh, but that's that's all right. Um, now, as far as like D&D, it's the sort of thing that, Storytelling can be done in so many different ways with so much uh, emphasis on one thing or another and being able to use, for instance, the internal monologue or, or the epilogue. That's one of the things I love to do. In Calderine Chronicles, the one you just talked about, mm-hmm. uh, that particular episode at the end, there was, a, there was an epilogue where I'm showing a scene. That the players do not get to know, but because there is an audience watching, mm-hmm. the players hear it, but their characters are forbidden from actually knowing what they just saw. And it was a, a beautiful moment of one player did something that was a very strategic and smart decision, but there were actually repercussions oh, for it. And we got to you. see that. Wait, one oh. second. I just got to
0: leave my oh, discord. No. I'm starting to screw up the cameras, Jake. I'm so sorry. I love you to Oh, death. no. <laughs> I'm coming, Corso. So sorry. It That's all right. I'll, I'll, good old phone I'll
1: just Discord. stare at the audience. All,
0: all right, right, can you hello, hear me now? Hello.
1: Yeah, I'm good now. Okay. So uh yeah, with that scene, uh, we got to show the audience sort of like, hey, there's stuff working in the background. There's a there's some what seems like a villain character stepping over a body and signing something in someone else's name that you recognize. Like What does that mean? And they get to have all these questions. They get to have all this information. It's like when you watch a great anime and like the hero has just saved the day and they go home and then it cuts after to another scene of some dude just in a back alley walking out and he looks around and he goes, huh, it's been a while, but I guess in a thousand years, people really have gotten attached to electricity and then sucks all the electricity out of the environment. And that's where it goes black. And you're like, wait, who is that guy? What was that? What was that? (laughs) And I I love doing that. Um, Not just in like evil stuff, but just in general, showing moments of like, you want to show a hero that you think is gone, or you want to show a character that they haven't heard of in a while, then boom, you add an epilogue or a prologue. Mm -hmm. Very great Uh, moments there.
0: How do you find that you can do those epilogues uh, without kind of sounding like a... You you know how, you have to garner their attention because how do you do it without just sounding like you're telling
1: a story and they're just listening? So uh, that's something that I, I definitely try and work on because uh, there's a thing I want to avoid. Uh, if you guys don't know this in D&D, it's called railroading, is where the person who's in charge of, uh, and if I'm just preaching to the choir, you know, um, that happens. But railroading is when you're trying to, tell your story and ignore your players or like no matter what they do, this is always going to be the story. And no matter what you're (laughs) going to have to, you know, they don't get to branch off. There's they're on tracks. And I try to avoid that by ensuring that like, yeah, whatever you do will have consequences. Consequences aren't bad, but there is a, like for every action, there's a reaction. I try to make sure that that's a thing when it comes to doing this epilogue or this prologue. Like for instance, I knew what was gonna happen in the epilogue I had planned, but my players had done two things that I was not expecting and I immediately improved those having a repercussion in that epilogue. So it was like, it was almost like everything they had done had been railroaded to that moment, but it wasn't because I didn't know they were going to do that. And yeah. so it added such flavor to that scene and people were like, how did he know? It's like well first off I didn't I really didn't <laughs> but, I love that <laughs> but love second that. off it is wait a minute that was a bad idea and it was like I mean you don't know what I know so when it, so when you if you're trying to do an epilogue or if you're trying to do a prologue and trying to set something up make it interesting I love to make mine mysterious like something sort of uh missing um but you know, you'll bits of information that are being breadcrumbed to you that you're like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, because like, imagine you introduce the description of a character, mm-hmm. and you do it in very good detail, and then you don't really say anything else. You just say like, they see this, mm-hmm. and he's standing at the edge of uh, a rooftop looking down at the city, quick, so and then all right, just anyway. Got by Roxy ah, we got oh, Roxy Horror for a raid. Roxy... Thank you for that raid. So imagine you describe this character, and you describe Mm. what they look like, you describe what they're doing, and then nothing happens, and you move, and people go, what was the point of that? And then later in that episode, a character matching that description introduces themselves very friendly to your party. The listeners and the players are going to panic, (laughs) and they're going to now realize your words have weight, and they need to be listening, because now they're going to scratch their head and go, no, but what did he say he was doing before this? Because he described him, but no, no, he was doing something. He had something in his hand. And now they're like, players, oh my God, please ask if he has, what's in his hand? Like, look at him. And the players, if they're playing correctly, their characters have to think to do the thing. Yeah. But the players can't. And so there's there's such a fun energy there. And I think if you're going to insert something like that, add layers of mystery. Because that's oftentimes what a prologue, or a epilogue is, is either mystery or inspiration. It's like, I remember an anime I watched recently, it was a very like gritty and altogether like traumatic, uh, like action hero anime where it's like, everything's going wrong and most everyone dies. And in the end, there's still the hero and someone else sacrificed themselves to let that like happen. And he's like, I'm gonna be the best. And then the very end, after the credits, you see the other like hero who sacrificed himself. You see his weapon on display that is absolutely linked to their life force. And you hear it rev its engine one more time. Oh, and then it geez. cuts and that's the end of the season. Oh. And you're like,
0: <laughs> and that's all it is, is it
1: zooms in on his weapon. Yeah. And you're like, oh man. Yeah, they would put it on display. And then you hear it rev. Like he's calling it, and you're like, oh, and then there's nothing else to watch. There's no information. There's no
0: ending. There's just it revved. What does that mean? It could mean anything.
1: Exactly. Did someone else um. inherit it? Is he still out there? What is happening? <laughs> I want to do that to people, not because I just want to leave you like absolutely like with no answers. It's I have an answer, and I'm so excited to tell you about it that I want to give you a teaser without saying it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you're going to epilogue or prologue, what are you teasing? Are you teasing an evil thing? Are you teasing an inspirational thing? Are you teasing something that's like cracks start to form on a wall in the city and then they vanish and you go, why would he tell us that? Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. How how often would you say that you uh,
0: do a cliffhanger or like one of these? Uh, epilogues or prelogs in your campaigns and do you plan them or do they more come of improvisation
1: so i try to so so for instance i have everything started for the lark network with my first podcast lark fallen gods i started with that and i was trying to emulate some of my favorite podcasts while also doing my own thing by adding this oh. sort of cinematic energy into it yeah and one of the major things that I enjoyed was with The Adventure Zone, huge, big d d podcast. One of the things that in their first arc balance um, that Griffin sort of ensured was that in the editing, it was almost always a cliffhanger or a shocking moment. Even if it was a good joke, it was like, hey, we're gonna head out in the morning. And then someone had been decapitated and they're like (laughs) really got to roll out, you know, and they're like, I hate you. And that's where it would end. But he also just set up that tomorrow they are leaving on a journey and it like it always ended on a a sensible like Hmm. something's on the horizon or someone kicks in the door and charges up a blast. And you see the person you thought you killed two episodes ago. And that's where we're ending. And that energy, I tried to make sure I emulated because I, I know that adds to listenability, like the uh, continuation of listening for listeners. And mm-hmm. because I spent most of my time on that podcast when I transitioned to doing streaming and doing other campaigns, yeah. now there's almost no point in me not leaving it like that because then my players get excited. <laughs>
0: like we, we showed like, it ourselves like when we just got excited about it, the rev i have no context of this show that the show means I, I don't you didn't even tell me the name but the I fact didn't. that you're like <laughs> it revs i'm just like oh shit really oh okay yeah. so like imagine if i'm now in a story that i'm invested in you you tell me that it revs and i know all about it i know what it's capable of now i'm really like oh shit
1: yeah, yeah. And that's that sort of thing that, you know, the whole reason that I I like adding in these cinematic things is we all want to be in those big, amazing stories. And if we're not going to one day be an actual actor or we're not going to one day be on a podcast that goes famous, so be it. But the players, they want to have a fun time. And one of the ways I like to do that is I want to treat it as if like, no, this is a big, like, this is a big deal. Like I play music behind things. There is, um, you know, cause music can definitely add the atmosphere. Like when the song changes to be like a messed up or evil theme, that's a moment that the people themselves have a reaction. The players will go, wait, why'd you do that? We didn't, we didn't do anything. We're just chilling in, in our apartment. Uh,
0: it went from forest ambiance once to just clown music and like all my players just lost their shit we're in a forest what do you mean
1: why is there clown music i was like
0: shit dog.
1: (laughs) bad part of the forest yes and that is that is one one major part is like adding music or things in those cinematic things if you were to take a movie and ask yourself like why do you like it yeah you would know some of it, but you wouldn't I don't think know all of the the little details and the tropes and the the little flares that are going into it. If you stripped out the soundtrack of Avengers and you stripped out a lot of the uh, like a lot of the pacing, and you put in just people in some street clothes saying, "I'm Captain America, but he's not like decked out in it." and even like that it's gonna look very different the moment they add the costumes and the, the special effects yeah. now it's like all right this is pretty good the moment they add the music your like heart starts pounding and like when when the portal scene happens like the moment of just like the static and the hearing on your left and you just like hear that and then the theme kicks in the theme is powerful man like That is what you can do for your players just by being a little more cinematic or animatic, you know, animated um, Mm. in your work is you can give them those moments um, of those like heart pounding like, oh, my God, what just happened? You know, and I, if you watch Calderin Chronicles, I, I have yeah. one, like there's a theme song that goes throughout it. That's usually the peppy high energy one. We have a couple of other themes as well, but that is our theme. And I always go back to that when we're done as well. And so there'll be these moments like in that epilogue, or even if it's just with the players, we end. We're all in a scene like this. And the moment is hanging on the words as someone looks down at the party from a window. And they pull the blind shut, undetected and unnoticed yet again. And then the peppy music <laughs> kicks in and I go, dun, dun, all
0: right, that's dun, the, dun, the dun, show. Dun, dun. I actually,
1: actually, that, <laughs> that actually happened
0: uh, on the moment with the Altiers. is like, A, you left a cliffhanger and then you come in with
1: the peppy music. And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that that shift also does something to people because... When you're just left in the creepy like vibe, you can sit there for a while and go, oh, "Okay, cool, that was weird." But when they're like, uh, it's like a jump scare where you release the tension and you go, "All right, anyway, uh, I hope you guys are having fun." You know, oh boy, what a caper!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like it. Almost reminds me of like um, the it was an old cartoon like uh, Crips Tales or something. Crips Creeps. And It was essentially like oh, this. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about—the the, the yeah, old dude yeah. in the dungeon. So he'd tell all these terrible stories, and then he'd just come back and he'd be like, "Well, sleeping tight, everyone. Have a take care." It's yeah. Like,
1: no, no, not sleeping tight, dog. And they're like, <sighs> "That's not that's not the emotion. No, no, stay in the creepy so that we can work through this slowly." And it's like, he's gone. Bye. <laughs> just left me and with so, all my emotions yeah. alone. <laughs> So, yeah, that is uh, that is one of my uh, one of my favorite things to do is add that in and just uh, different takes on that. Yeah.
0: If you were to, like, break down a cinematic moment with most basic components, like what I need to include uh, in a cinematic moment to make it good. Music was one of our top
1: ones. Yeah. What else? So. So let's take the intro. The intro to Calderine. Um, I mean, heck, I should have pulled that up for you or something. <sighs> Played it in the background. Um, no. The the intro to the very beginning episode of the Clan of Calderine. The way I wanted to do this is I I took a lot of emphasis from and uh, several anime and just mm-hmm. in general shows. I I have five players on the stream and I wanted to introduce them all, but it wasn't going to be in a tavern. It wasn't going to be in their They're at a base already. They're already members of this group, but they haven't worked together yet. But because they're at a base, they're already working with other people. They're being trained. And so I read this intro that is, uh, there's music behind it. And it's just this like sort of somber, like I'm describing the scene Mm -hmm. and no one's being described, just the environment. And then I kick on our theme song and I start jumping, you know, to uh, we see, we see a, human, uh, a human paladin getting bested by her mentor. She gets kicked to the ground. You'll have to try harder than that. Now, stand up, try again. Brutus, what do you do? And regardless of what she says, we then do that. And immediately she's like in the music and she's like, uh, I, I try to swing at her again. Give it a shot. What do you roll? Uh, a 14. Not good enough, Brutus. And she backhands you one more time. Then the camera jumps and we see a view of treetops, someone running quickly across them. And you see a shadow trying desperately to keep up. Ruby, your mentor is pulling away. Come on, Ruby! You've got to show us a little bit more oomph. Here, catch! And a dagger comes flying your way. Make a dexterity saving throw. And that was <laughs> our that was our intro. Yeah. Was I was showing all of them training with their mentor, all in this like high speed environment way. And it was only like I gave the players in that instance we had sort of set and discussed what we were doing a little bit. Like they didn't know what I was going to ask them, but I was like, "Be yeah. prepared to give me a quick response." <laughs> Yeah. But they gave me these answers. They gave me these roles. And it jumped from them to them to them to these two over here who are working together. And then we end it with one character looking at a mirror showing all of them in play as today is the day they're being placed on a team and he's monitoring them. Mm-hmm. And he puts it away and says uh, and thinks to himself, they'll do because these are the next defenders of this land. These are the Calderine Chronicle. And that was like the fucking title, like, these are the Calderine Chronicles. (laughs) And then we just rocked out to the music for a minute. But the point was, I was giving imagery. Mm -hmm. There was music setting the tone that I wanted that was matching it. I was also, uh, the players were involved and it wasn't just them listening. It wasn't the audience just listening to me talk. I was describing the scene, but the players are already having an influence on that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I think it, if you can, even if you're going to tell a really lengthy description of something, mm-hmm. work in beats where a player can have a real random comment on it, but the beat will continue. It's, yeah. it, it's like that. It, okay. So it's like, if you're watching a movie, think of like, uh, I don't know, let's look at something at, like Emperor's New Groove or something. Oh, yeah. Animated. Like, so cartoons and animated movies do things like this a lot because they can. Uh, And so you've got a scene where, like, they're looking at this really grand and amazing thing. And then there's that one, like, comedic relief character who bumps a vase and it shatters. And it's like, everyone looks at that person for a split second. And then they look back and they keep taking in the view of this underground, like, uh, you know, civilization they found. And those moments really add to the scene of, like, Kronk just broke that. Uh, anyways moving on and so if you gave your players like all right you walk into this and it's so illustrious and the golden gates are here and there are creatures moving atop these piles of gold and rubies and there is a pillar next to you what do you do and you give them like that one line they go ah can i pocket gold you reach down you start picking up gold and then you just keep explaining more of the scene that you were doing Mm -hmm. but they got to interact and that interaction can have consequences in twenty minutes. <laughs> you broke the vase. Okay, that was not a good vase to break. There was something in it, you know.
0: So the general comes in. We must protect the most valuable vase ever known to man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, music, pacing, knowing knowing your pacing. If you're trying to do something, um. So this is, this is interesting to do in an audio format, Mm -hmm. but in, so as a, as a magician, we, we deal a lot with, I was dealing with performing on stage all the time. And one of the best things I was ever taught about acting and just performing in general was if you want someone to listen, do nothing. If you want someone to watch, say nothing. Because in acting, a beat where you do something and you want them to really, really watch it carefully, don't say anything. Because people can only focus on so much at the same time. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything for two seconds there, but you probably <laughs> watched. I watched it! I didn't Damn, pick it. Up. Damn it! And he got me! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is if I don't have something for you to look at and I just tell you, listen, this is probably the most important piece of information I'm ever going to say to you. Never forget what I say next. Mm -hmm. You're already listening to what I am about to say next. But I'm not, like, confusing you with showing you other things. The same applies when you're describing a scene. Like I said, it's hard to do in an audio format, the idea of say nothing or, sh- you know, or or don't do anything. But describe the scenery, not words that people are saying, not other things. Describe imagery. If you want players to be looking at something, describe that in detail and let no conversation cloud it. If you want them to listen to something, describe the words and make what you're saying so uh, intriguing and so precise. It's not facial expressions. It's not, you know, all of that. I mean, you can add those in, but when you say something like, yeah, her face scrunches up and she looks at you very awkwardly for a moment. You can't say both things at once, obviously, that she also says this, but when you do that, they're now paying attention to her appearance rather than what she's saying. When you then turn around and she says in a low, slow voice, do not move. It does so much more to what you're saying. Because if you're like, yeah, she says in a real low voice, do not move. There's a very big difference in your inflection and how you present it. So. Yeah. So. I definitely think that's something that
0: more DMs need to look into and I, I definitely find it sometimes an issue myself is being able to just slow down for no real reason. People just listen to slow talking. Yeah. I it it's, doesn't it's make a big thing. It it doesn't make sense, but you're tuned in right now,
1: you've the pauses yeah. And then you you hang on them because you're like, well, so like when your brain is constantly trying to finish someone else's (laughs) thought, (laughs) your brain is constantly trying to do that. And so you can lead them in ways, but also when you slow it down, it's like, it's almost like road rage when someone's in front of you and they're going too slow and you're like, get out of the way. I want to, I'm going somewhere else and you're when when someone's talking slowly and your brain is focusing in it's cuz it's like come on I, uh, yeah you're you're trying to say that we're going to go to the garden and you say no the warehouse and they're like the warehouse shit okay now where and you ju- you just have them. so yeah one thing you can always do is talk talk slower it doesn't you don't have to be a turtle in everything but you can at least talk with pauses. And honestly, if you took, uh, it's hard, but if you take ums and uhs out of much of your conversation and just let the pause hang, half the time when I'm editing the podcast and I remove those, you'll have a speech that's like, yeah, she walks in and uh, looks you in the eyes and says, "Uh, you're not from around here, are you? Then you edit that out and it just says, and she walks in and looks you in the eyes and says, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> it sounds so different once those are pulled out. Professional so audio teach, tips. <laughs> yeah, if you can teach yourself to stall those, it mm-hmm. adds so much like gravitas to the scene. I agree. So, so
0: for making a good uh, kind of scenic moment, music, uh, imagery, uh, gaining the player's full attention, yeah, And uh, you mentioned it before, but breaking expectations, even like when you did, uh, you can read my thoughts or yeah. my, you just break up what you think you're going to say. Like in your intro, you did that very slow, we're here, the Calderine Chronicles, and then now we're jumping into training. What are you doing? You have a knife coming yeah. at you. What are you doing? And it just like right away, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. I'm here. A change of emotion. Uh, an expectation was broken. Now I, now I have to focus.
1: And that comes 100% from, I mean, my work and being a magician, I have a routine in my show that is a throwaway joke, (laughs) but by no means is it really, I'm trying to tell the audience, I'm going to do a trick and I'm telling them for 10 minutes, look, I've done it. And they're like, no, we can clearly see you haven't. And then I cover it and I go, well, that Schrodinger's cat at this point, people, I've done it. And they're like, no, you did not. And then I pick it up and I turn it and they're like, you're literally holding it. And I'm like, no, it's empty. And they go, and it's like a comedy bit and they're cracking up and they're going, okay, yeah, why don't you turn it upside down? And I do. And they go, you're squeezing it now. And then it gets to a point where I go, all right, I do not think y'all get this joke. And then I ball the bag up and throw it away. And the bag being empty and thrown away is where the audience goes, wait.
0: There's a glass bottle in there just 10 seconds ago.
1: What? What just happened? (laughs) And they're losing their mind and they're stuck on that. And they're like, did you, how long ago was it? What? When you can do that to your players where you switch beats where like they're drawn into something and then the mood just changes and you keep going. Cause I don't, I I move on and I look at them and I go, Oh, wow. The magician did magic at a magic show. How dare I? And then I just, I I say that to the audience and then I just keep going and they're cracking up at that point usually. And that is a, that is a important moment that I have just told them. Don't you dare get comfortable because at any point what you think is happening has long since passed. Mm -hmm. And that's like the beauty of that. So you can get your players with that same thing. Not like in a good way. Yeah. When you're telling them like you want to work in pieces of their backstory. Don't you dare get comfortable. Like your, your players could be having the worst day of their lives and Then they happen to run into a friend from the past and your players were ready to be this like heavy and like, oh, everything sucks. And then you surprise them with a twist where it's like in magic, you break something and then suddenly it turns into a flower and you were like, oh shoot, they broke uh, a glass thing or oh, he bent that piece of paper, he tore it up and then turned it into an actual flower. You can turn destruction into beauty and even that is still, don't you dare get comfortable. I know I just ripped this up and did this. And you thought, oh, he might fix it. No, I made a flower. Here you go. Have a wonderful day. And they're like, that doesn't compute with the trick I was expecting. Like when you kill a bad guy and then they expect them to come back. Nope, actually everything's fine there. Uh, But your family sent you a message. They need your help. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. wait, where are you going with this? Oh, the bad guy's totally coming back. I'm just not doing that now. <laughs> you, must,
0: you must have a lot of fun as a dungeon master being a magician, because like, I know being a magician has so much skill involved and there's so much going into like each trick, but as a dungeon master, it's just your words. You can make magic happen just by saying magic happens. Yeah, so it's got to be really is... fun to take all those opportunities when you can to just do the cool breaking expectations.
1: It is so much fun because one thing that is important is as a magician, it's a very interesting job. Uh, I mean, obviously, but there's an interesting relationship you have with an audience. A magician is one of the few jobs out there. It's not one of those weird ones where I'm like, oh, this is the hardest job. No, 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 uh, not at all. It is a strange job in the fact that your audience or the people who are paying to see your work. Are hoping that you fail. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because they want to catch you. That's sort of the deal. Is like I'm gonna pay you for the chance to watch you fail, but I sort of hope you don't, but I have to come. It's like they're paying you to test you. And you're like, all right, cool. Imagine that. Bet (laughs) Imagine, yeah, imagine if whatever your job was, like imagine. Mm -hmm. You're, I mean, like you're a doctor or you're something. And the audience shows up, they show up and go, please help. They don't show up and go, all right there, PhD man. Let's see what you got. I got a growth on my shoulder. Can you solve that one? Is that what like surgery theaters were like? Surgery theaters were like, nah, why aren't you supposed to use a scalpel there? What the hell? Yeah. And that's the thing is that pressure of like, if you're doing something live in front of an audience is one thing. Like I've talked with like, because I do comedy as well, stand up comedy. I've talked with just full on comedians and they're like, yeah, our audience can fight us if they don't like a joke or they like are belligerent and drunk or if just something, but it's not always, they want to laugh Mm -hmm. and you just need to beat their like quota for what equals funny. A magician, they want to catch you because they don't want to like feel like inferior. Mm -hmm. And if you are just someone who's like, Hey, look, I'm going to put a wall up and I'm going to walk right through this brick wall. And then I'm going to say, that's the show and leave. They're going to go, well, why did I pay for that? Like, yeah, I get it. He's cool, whatever, but I don't feel good. So you also have to be entertaining with it. So at the same time, they're like, Hey, would you let me try and ruin your show? But also at the same time, pretty pleased. Would you be like, Real cool about it, (laughs) and entertaining. Please come on. Yes, and 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 in the event that I fail to figure it out, oh, I'll post it everywhere. Could you at least ensure I have a good (laughs) time? Yeah, and applying that to being a dungeon master is the players coming to you and they're like, "All right, cool. We want to see behind the curtain before you want us to, because we want to piece it together like a good mystery." And as a magician, it's like, "Oh, I'm great." at having a mystery that you're not expecting yeah so i'm 100 percent applying those mechanics sometimes it's not like oh i'm applying this thing from a trick it's sometimes just the training and mentality of someone saying something uh so often in magic um there will be moments that Something goes so well that you could have never imagined that. Because, hey, I'm going to warn you right now, magic is fake. Uh, I pretend to do things uh, that are unreal. Safe. But sometimes <laughs> statistics will line up that you do a thing that I could have never forced you to do. But out of the one in a thousand chance, you said the thing. Mm-hmm. And Oftentimes I set up tricks to include the opportunity for that. I used to do street performing. And when I was cutting my teeth, learning uh, how to just deal with any type of audience, I would be out there with a top hat on the floor to collect cash and a little table next to me so I could build a crowd and I would be out there doing stuff. But I had a giant playing card that was face down on the ground. And I would have the (laughs) hat on top of it. And people walk by to go, what are you doing? I go, hey, check this out. Name any card. And whatever they say, I'm about to like shoot out of the deck of cards in my hands. Cause I'm like able to like go through, locate their card quickly. Then I'm gonna give it a wave and turn it into another one and say, hey, let's, let's see a show. Now they're hooked. But on the rare occasion that the person would say the name of the card that was beneath the hat <laughs> on a random encounter, dumb dude pointed at it and said, what's that? And I said, name a card. And he goes, Jack of diamonds chump and i without pausing reached down grabbed it lift up the jack of diamonds and the man just hands me a wad of money and walked away excuse me sir Here you go. <laughs> thank you it was <laughs> so so beautiful how often moments like that would line up mm-hmm. where i was actually going to do like a 5 minute trick and like a script and a bit but I will never be able to top that moment for that guy. He walked up to a stranger on the street, said, what's that? I said, I fucking dare you. And he said, Jack of diamonds. And it was, (laughs) there's no beating that, not in five seconds or less. And so what that taught me over Mm -hmm. the like 10 years of doing that, of being a magician, is when a moment comes to allow more magic than you ever could force, You have to be so okay with letting it go because yeah, I got him with that and he could have stayed and watched my five minute show, but I recognized I would actually be putting that story at a detriment if I continue because I can't beat that. He might catch me on the next thing. He'll never catch that because I didn't do it. If a story scene lines up so well in your storytelling that your players create magic that you couldn't do, don't take it away. Just pretend it's all part of the plan and work really hard to make sure it is now because that there are so many moments that I guarantee you some of the best, like famous DMS in the world. They just had to sit there and have a straight face when something happened. And that's all they had to do to take credit for moments that were not written and just happened your best friend is a stone face do not react let it be wait a minute did you is that guy so anyway what do you do yeah (laughs) and just just don't don't cut your own don't cut your own story off just let it let it happen (laughs) don't don't Quelch your own magic
0: I don't know if this will help our audience much But I'm just curious From the years as a magician And keeping uh, certain tricks a secret Do you find that helps you keep your uh, DM knowledge a secret? Because I find it painstaking To not tell my players About all the cool stuff that's going to happen
1: I am Absolutely Losing it Okay, Trying to to say, no, it doesn't help at all Uh, I'm good (laughs) I am good at keeping a smile and going, who knows? But when I'm off stage, I'm like, oh, oh, man, oh, God, well, I'm going to be sick. Well, they almost discovered the thing. She almost did the thing. I'm not ready for that. We haven't statted that.
0: Uh, I'm glad. I'm, 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 it, it does bring me a sense of comfort that no matter how, how much practice you have in that, it's still a
1: it's still a pain. Yeah, oh. it is one, it's 100% a pain. And I, I have some confidants within the Lark Network. And then I have to work hard to not ruin too much for them so that if they do come on as guests or if they do help with future things, they are not too much in the know. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's been a total treat to, you know, be able to bring what I know as a magician into the Dungeons and Dragons world.
0: Uh going back to anime. Do you have any favorite animes for inspiration and then like any favorite animes that you just watch just for the fun of it? So
1: um animes for inspiration. Um one that so because D&D deals with a lot of magic, I mm-hmm. definitely draw on, it doesn't have to, but it does. Mm-hmm. I definitely draw on animes from okay, so Naruto is a great like starting point here to talk about stuff like this. I was a huge Naruto fan, watched you know everything there was, uh, Shippuden and all of that. And one of the beauties of what they would do in that show was there was constantly someone who had taught themselves how to use their ability magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, In a unique way, due to their environment. Oh, you can throw weapons really fast. That's fine. I grew up in a very windy environment. So we learned to throw weapons with the wind. So I can now curve them. And it's like the two against each other was suddenly like, oh, my environment didn't prepare me for this. Or, you know, characters that are like, yeah, we come from literally underground. So, We've trained ourselves to hear people moving even if we can't see, and taking that concept and applying it to the environments will create differences in people's magic or in their abilities. You know, it's like the idea if you look at a rogue who's a swashbuckler, through and through, they're very different than the arcane trickster rogue. One is learned magic, and one can attack you at will (laughs) because they are fluid. And that sort of concept uh, I I like to draw from is like thinking about the environment effects, where you did come from and what you turn into. Allow it to do so. Uh, Sometimes if I give homebrew stuff to my players, I read up on their backstories. I read up, I, I focus on what they've been doing in the campaign so far. And I think what is the ability that would make sense for you to have like coined, for Mm -hmm. you to have created based on your very particular stuff. Like I had uh, a a campaign that I was doing that sort of linked to some of the stuff I'm doing now, but it was the precursor campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, I created some special abilities that a dragon gave five members of the team. And they were all the symbol of a dragon, but one was the scales of a dragon. So she got fire immunity. One mm. was uh, one was the dragon's breath. And so a dragon born, he now by being blessed by a true dragon, didn't have a limit on his breath weapon because a dragon born can only do it so many times. This dragon gave you the ability to just breathe fire, my dude. Um, yes. And someone else had the tail of the dragon And Mm -hmm. so uh, she gained, like, control and, like, attack with her tail now. Um, And the claws of the dragon went to the monk, who every time they hit someone, there was actually a little bit of fire damage that would come right afterwards. Ooh. And that was, like, the environment was you dealt with a dragon and you did it well. And Mm -hmm. so he granted you something. But he's a dragon. He's not just going to say, here, now you know Eldritch Blast. Like... That's not how that would work. You would get a very particular one from this v- very particular being, yeah so that's that's what I'm saying here is like Naruto and um Bleach did it a lot too, mm-hmm. uh, where they had a very particular skill based on where they were from, and everyone had a little minute thing that you could do a whole episode each uh, each one of them could have their own episode explaining why they're so badass. I love doing that for our players but also for like the NPCs and stuff. They have a story. Yeah. So, I draw from that. Um, as far as ones I just like to watch, uh, I'm a sucker for a sports uh anime. Uh <laughs> like Haikyuu <laughs> is Haikyuu has got my number uh because I'm just like, yeah, fly kurasudo. Yeah, <laughs> literally literally nothing of importance is happening. And I can already tell that at least where I'm watching it, the season's going to end mid tournament. So it's not like, not like I'm going to have a good conclusion, but I'm still just like, oh man. Oh no, is he injured? Oh no. (laughs) buddy! I don't know
0: why soccer animes are so good. They just like,
1: they animate soccer so cool.
0: Like soccer is no longer like a pitch. It's now like a battlefield.
1: Yeah, like every everything, everything is amazing when you do it uh, in a sports anime, you know?
0: I agree. Hmm. So we've done a lot about, like, creating these cinematic moments. Now, you don't exactly... We, we've discussed a lot about, like, getting that feeling across, kind of getting people feeling a certain way. Do you have any tips or tricks that you like to do uh, to force people to feel an emotion or try and lead them to that emotion?
1: Uh, yeah so if you're trying to convey an emotion, the the like I mean, this is not like the final word on it, but um uh, <laughs> one of the one of the things to think about is why would like I wanted my characters to not like someone. Mm-hmm. And when I was describing them, they can just act like a douche, like they can just do that. But there are specific things that they could say that I knew each character would <laughs> not be chill with. And like, like, for instance, there's a character that uh, was just introduced in our last episode. And uh, this is all I'm going to say on it, so I don't spoil it for anyone who wants mm-hmm. to like get caught up and stuff. But the character asks about some very dangerous things. And the players are like, listening on this conversation while the other person explains. And this, Other person hears them and says, "Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? And the person says, "Um, can you use them on children? And like one of the players goes, I'm sorry, what did you just say? And she says, you heard me. Can you use them on children? And he's like, and then I make the, I make the NPC who's answering the questions very nervously. (laughs) Um, I mean, like scientifically, I, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> yes, but no. Yeah. I, like, no, but yes. Then on top of that, then she's like, okay. And what about animals? Does it have to be a willing participant? And so she's asking very yep. uncomfy questions, yep. but the one about children triggered two of the characters to go. I'm sorry. Do you want to run that by again? And then the other on animals, one of them is like a lizard folk. And they were like, <laughs> all right, I don't like you. <laughs> and it was like that's the energy though that i was hoping would be but i didn't just be like all right and they're really douchey to you it's like no i thought about what would upset a character yeah and i made sure it happened um and so if you're wanting to convey like happiness or you're wanting to convey joy um think about what it is that those characters want like If you were just not the DM, if you were sitting back watching this as if it was real life, and that character was having a great day, what do you think they'd be doing? Then try to offer them that. What do you think would make that character lose their cool and walk away from the group? You can put half of that in to trigger that losing the cool or making them like worried. What would worry that character? And those are great things to like. If you ever want something to just ask your players at the start of episodes, one thing that I do in Fallen Gods is I always ask a warm up question. And it's something just character based. So they have to answer, what would your character do? Or what has your character? It's simple things like yeah. when they were the kid, when was the first time your character ever? stole something or took something they weren't supposed to. And they have to think up on the spot going, Oh God. Cause it's never like, what'd you do yesterday? It's like, Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this time when I was 10, I think I would have done this. And it's yeah. like, okay, cool. But now I have information I can use for later because you just made it canon by answering the question. So when you ask them, what is something that always bothers you? Like what bothers your character when people do this thing? Or what's a, what's a thing that people could gift you and you would always enjoy it? Then 12 episodes later, give one of them that gift.
0: Okay. Like, hey. I, yeah, I do that I, in my session zeros. I ask a lot of questions like hate, dislikes, a good moment, bad moment. And whenever yeah. they come up, they're always like, no, no, you know I hate this. You can't bring it against me. And I'm like, I'm using it against
1: you. Suffer." So, uh, <laughs> I did spiders. this to a player. I asked those warm-up questions. <laughs> and six minutes later, I implemented the NPC she had they had just created for that character. They just made them and they're like, oh yeah, you know, it would suck to run into them. I already <laughs> knew they were the I had written down, run into someone from the past. That was gonna be it. So I asked a warm-up question, and they're like, Yeah, that'd be awful. And then six minutes later, they're going, I just made her up. <laughs> <laughs> How, this isn't fair. She's uh, already a problem? <laughs> yeah. God
0: No, I like that. I might just start doing the warm up questions 'cause those those sound fun and those sound like uh something I as a player would enjoy. I'd enjoy like being asked what my character did when they were like fifteen or when they first did this or that. Like it's a it's a little chance to build your character, flesh them out a little bit together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, sadly it seems like we're coming to our end Corso. it was really fun talking to you i think we uh we should definitely do this again sometime in the future
1: oh absolutely Uh, it would be a pleasure
0: um but yes uh we have about a minute until we're closing down i know you have a lot going on i know that you're working on your amelie ball kickstarter but is there anything that you want to tell the audience at home
1: uh yeah absolutely so little epilogue here um as the lights begin to dim and the stream comes to a close, Corso looks at the camera and he says, It's been a pleasure entertaining you. And if you'd like to see more, you can always check me out at DND underscore Corso, K O R S O, on yes. TikTok and Twitter and Discord. And I do have a Kickstarter launching at meleeball.com, M E L E E ball.com. Check it out. The first ever d and sports module. And then he looked back and the host took it away.
0: And thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed having you on. I'm definitely excited to have you back. Um, thank you everyone for coming out to Dungeon Master Discussion. I've been Zach Ramsey. This has been D&D Corso. And we will see you guys next week. Take care, guys. Later.